where does our energy come from? And how is that changing? From the University of Chicago's Harris School of Public Policy, this is Chicago Policy Radio. I'm Claire O'Hanlon. Today we're talking with Mr. Tom Wolf, the Executive Director of the Illinois Chamber of Commerce's Energy Council, about Illinois' energy resources. It's great to have you with us, Tom. Great to be here, Claire. It's always a good time to talk about energy. There's been a lot of new developments in the energy sector in the United States, and Illinois in particular. What do you see as the most exciting energy sector trends of 2012? Well, that's a very good question to start off with. I mean, in 2012, there's a lot going on in the state of Illinois, and it really has to do with lots of different sectors of the energy industry. Um, a couple of quick examples. Um, we have the newest coal plant in North America opening up in Marissa, Illinois, which is about 40 miles southeast of St. Louis in Washington County. A 1,600 megawatt plant. Uh, it's an old, it's a coal pulverized plant, so it's um, not a new technology, but because it's a new plant, it has 50% less regulated emissions, 15% less greenhouse gas emissions because it's new. We also have in Illinois a new solar farm being built in uh, LaSalle County, which is about 100 miles west of uh, Chicago. Um, 23 megawatt plant that's being built by Invenergy. Um, we've got uh, natural gas uh, fracking uh, bills happening in Springfield, so fracking never happens in Illinois to get natural gas out. Um, we'll have a regulatory structure in place to help with that. And those are just three examples of things going on. One more I'll bring up very quickly is one on sequestration, which is a, a pilot project in Decatur, Illinois, that's sequestering carbon underground. Uh, it's one of the largest pilot projects going on in the country right now that's happening in Decatur, capturing carbon from ADM's ethanol plant and putting it underground to see if it uh, does what it's supposed to do, which is meld with the rock um, and stay underground. It's, it's a potential way to keep carbon from going up in the atmosphere. And there's more, but those are four examples of what's going on just this year. So I've been hearing a lot about the smart grid. What does that mean? Well, that's a great question as well, because smart grid, there's 10, 15 definitions of smart grid. It depends who you talk to. I like to break it down into two sections. One section is it's the infrastructure of the grid that delivers electricity to our homes and businesses. And that infrastructure really is pretty old, and the technology is pretty old. So it's smart grid's like going from analog to digital in terms of the way the grid works. My perfect example of that is right now if Comet or Ameren, if, uh, if, you, if your power goes out, they don't know your power is out unless you call them, which is kind of a silly thing, the way to do things, especially if you have outages because of storms or whatever. A smart grid infrastructure helps them uh, deliver the power more efficiently, helps them understand where the power is going and when it's not going someplace, and allows it for a, basically a smarter way to deliver our energy. The second piece of it is right next to your home or business, which is a smart meter, which is a meter that is connected electronically to the utility company and potentially to devices in your house so you can begin to learn how you're using electricity as you're using it. Right now, people in their home have uh, a, a thermostat. Um, 
but they don't really have any idea how much electricity they're using, how much it's costing them when they're using it. And they only pay for it after they've used it all. It's the opposite of a gas pump. Your listeners all buy gas probably, and you, you know how much exactly how much gasoline costs. You know exactly how much you put it into your car, and you know how to use less. You basically drive less or get a more efficient car. Electricity is the total opposite until you get a smart meter where that has the potential of you keeping track of it through software, through apps, through um, the, some companies have globes that turn different colors in your house, depending on how much you're using and how much it costs to use it. So you begin to get a sense of turning things off, using appliances at different times, a ways to save energy so you can use your energy more smartly and save money. How have the current mix of portfolio standards and tax credits changed the renewable energy landscape in Illinois? Well, it's changing dramatically. I mean, it's, you know, 2003, there was no, there were no wind farms in Illinois. Now we're the number four wind state in the country. We have 3,000 megawatts of wind. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, but a couple of them is that Illinois now has a renewable portfolio standard, where the goal is to get to 25% of our electricity from renewable sources by the year 2025. Um, and 75% of that 25% has to be wind. So because you have that government-mandated purchase, um, you need to, you're going to have wind development. And now we have, I think it's 18 wind companies in, in Chicago and Illinois developing. They have offices here. Um, there's some supply chain now in Illinois. So it's a growing industry. And that wouldn't have happened without the renewable portfolio standard and the production tax credit, which is a federal issue, um, to get things started. As you know, and your listeners probably know, most new energy technologies, the first couple ones aren't built just on the market and need the government help. And the idea is over time to wean off of them if possible. Well, wind is still pretty new and they still need some production tax credit opportunities, not forever, but for a few more years to get to that point where they can really compete on the open market. So those, those combinations of tax incentives and portfolio standards has gotten wind to where it needs to go. And it's, it's, uh, it's looking good for wind. They have some challenges coming up, but, but you know, overall, it's not 2003 where there weren't any. You know, anybody who drives through Illinois now sees a lot of wind farms, and they're producing a significant amount of energy, and um, I think they're going to find ways to continue that growth. Some countries have shut down the reactors in the wake of the disaster at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant in Japan. Where does nuclear fit into America's energy portfolio in light of this incident? Nationally, nuclear provides 20% of our electricity. In Illinois, it's 47%. We are the number one nuclear state in the country. We have more nuclear reactors and sites than anybody else in the country. Um, I think 10% of the nation's nuclear energy comes from Illinois. Uh, we are a nuclear state. Um, so the Fukushima accident, um, again, there's as a wake-up call is to make sure are, are we managing our nuclear facilities correctly in light of what could happen in terms of natural disasters in the area that we're in. Fortunately, in Illinois, we don't get tsunamis, so we don't have to worry about that. But there is there are potential for floods, tornadoes, terrorism, and though unlikely, still possible earthquakes. So you know the nuclear fleet, which is run by Exelon and managed by um, the feds and the state, um, are making sure that there are backups and backups to backups so the energy power that helps run a nuclear plant continues to flow no matter what happens. A lot of that happened after 9-11 because after 9-11 there was a lot of concern about the security of our nuclear plants and would they become terrorist targets. They upgraded a lot of that kind of backup power um, at that point. So 
right now, I mean, our nuclear plants are really important to our state. They have provided economic development and tax revenue to our state and, and a great supply of energy. I ultimately think some countries overreacted to the Fukushima accident, but you can never overreact in terms of making sure your plan is the safest plant it can be. Subsidies for ethanol are on their way out. What effect is this going to have for the ethanol industry? I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, the future tracking of any energy is hard to know about. Ethanol is not a nascent industry anymore. I mean, 10% of our fuels that go into our cars is ethanol, and a majority, of that, vast majority of that is corn-based. It's all corn-based. But the word biofuels is the one that people really should be keeping an eye on. Um, you can only get so much energy out of the corn that we grow in this country. You still need corn for food. Um, and so corn-based ethanol has been a big help, and it helps with our nation's fuel needs, but it's not going to solve our nation's fuel needs. Um, the people who do ethanol are also looking at biofuel opportunities like uh, stover, um, switchgrass, algae, vegetative waste, and even municipal garbage, and turning that into biofuels. So the, f the future for uh, ethanol has a future and an important one, but people also have to realize that these companies are not sitting on their hands saying, we're done. They're looking for other ways to get um, energy from other types of vegetation that maybe doesn't make food. What do you see as the most important state or national policy change that needs to occur in order to move energy in Illinois forward? Well, I think one of the things is, is I'm not sure it's a policy change, but I'm, we're, we're trying to make sure people make decisions based in reality instead of hype and hope. People want the perfect energy source, and there really isn't one. Every energy has its challenges, whether that's technological challenges, economic challenges, legal challenges, environmental challenges. And people who, there's a lot of um, elected officials, business leaders, general public who just thinks that they have a solution, or wind, or solar, or more coal, or or nuclear, there's no one solution to this. So the real at the policy picture really needs to be about a more all of the above, incremental change, incremental improvement kind of strategy. So we're getting our energy from different sources, uh, a, a diversified portfolio. And once we start tempering people's expectations on how fast that can happen, we can start making policies that can lift all boats and let the marketplace and the new technological advances kind of, you know, make the decisions for us about which direction we go in terms of our energy uh, portfolio going forward. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Claire, it's my pleasure. Again, ours is a great time to talk about energy. We use it every day. The more people know about where it comes from and how it works, the better off we are. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Chicago Policy Radio, a production of the Chicago Policy Review and the Harris School of Public Policy at the University of Chicago. Our podcast is produced and edited by Claro Hanlon and David Levine. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ryan Gee. Special thanks this week to Bradley Crawford, Jessica Polos, and Matt Gee. You can find us at www.chicagopolicyreview.org or on iTunes or email us at media at chicagopolicyreview.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time.